to the second half of this conversation on May 17th about working from Stash. Hi, I'm Sherry. And I'm Tamara. Thank you for listening to Gym It, a podcast about knitting, spinning, dyeing, and other crafts in mid-America. We touched about this a little bit on the first half when we were talking about how to store stash, but why have a stash? Why not just go out and buy the yarn as we need it? It would save money uh, no matter how expensive the yarn was rather than having a nine-year supply in a second bedroom. So why have a stash? It makes me happy. Yes. What about you? Yes, that's the reason why. So much happy. (laughs) Really, my favorite thing about knitting is the yarn. I'll buy the yarn and I will dream over it for years, usually about three years from when I buy it to when I cast on. In those three years, it will become hundreds of different projects before I finally use it into the final project it will ever be. So those first 99 projects are just mental yarn fantasies and then the last one's the real deal so if i didn't have it in my stash i couldn't dream over it when it's still in store and i'm dreaming over it then i'm like lusting after owning it it's not the same as owning it and thinking about knitting it at least it isn't for me right yeah it also gives me peace of mind because i designed from my stash and so having enough there that's different colors, different weights, different types of materials that are in the yarn, different types of yarn. That gives me peace of mind to know that I have a lot of that stuff there because I don't have a local yarn store. So I can't easily pop out and just go look at something if a call for submission comes up. I either need to have it on hand or I need to know that I can order it and get it shipped quick enough to meet the deadline. Right. Yes. I was out of work for a good chunk of last year. I had planned ahead enough and had enough emergency fund that buying yarn wasn't completely off the table during that time. But it was nice knowing that in uncertain times that I would still be able to knit and I was not going to run out. Yeah. And also, you know, in the back of my head, I've always kind of jokingly said it'll be good to have in case there's a zombie apocalypse or something, too. Uh But we are in a pandemic, so it's kind of nice to have. Right. Like you can still order yarn. Uh But there's always there's always the questions in my mind. Am I putting someone in danger to order this yarn? The people that are stocking it, the people that are packing it. Do they have to go to the post office? What about the postal worker? What about the delivery driver, you know? And I still will make purchases that way because I figure it's part of keeping the economy going. But also, if I don't have to, then I'm not putting any of those people out in danger. Exactly. Yes. And then finally, uh, creativity. We were talking about how whenever a pattern comes up that's five stitches to the inch, I won't have like a sweater's quantity worth to make that pattern. But then as a creativity to modify a pattern, or there was one time where I really, really wanted to make the curve of pursuit blanket so badly, but I was not in a position to be able to buy a blanket's worth of yarn in the colors I wanted. I sort of moped about that for a couple of hours and I pulled out every yarn I had and my scrap yarn and everything. Within 48 hours, I had put together the yarn to make this blanket from my stash. I think the colors I ended up with and putting it together were better 
than what I would have just gone out and bought. The first thought that you have for a project is maybe not the most creative, maybe not the best solution. And by working with constraints, it makes your brain work harder and you get more creative. And then like the second or fourth or the 25th idea is actually the better idea than the first. Yeah, it really does. And I think it's more fun also because instead of just seeing a project and thinking, wow, I'm going to buy exactly the yarn that they've used, I really enjoy going and pulling out everything out of that weight of yarn that I have and seeing, okay, this is a different color. Would that work? This gauge is off a little bit. How hard would the math be? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, this is a this is a tweed yarn. Maybe I would like it better like this. Or, no, no, that's a bad idea. That won't show up. Whatever feature I'm, I love most about this. Or, and I, I enjoy thinking through those things. So. Yes, yes. There is once in a while that I will buy a yarn and then a pattern to go with it and then be disappointed with the combination. It's not really any fault of either of them. Maybe I should have swatched for a different pat, you know, a, a generic lace pattern before I bought the lace sweater for the yarn that didn't show lace well. Mm. So where I'm going with that is matching the yarn up to the pattern in the moment doesn't always work. You're going to need a different yarn for that pattern and a different pattern for that yarn. You're going to end up with a stash anyway, even if you're not planning on one, or else you're going to be knitting a yarn and a pattern together that maybe shouldn't be. You got to know when to stop and to remake it into something else. Right. And then that can go into your stash. So it's not yarn that... It's not yarn that you won't use. It's just something that will wait until you find the next right thing for it. Yes. Stashes, you don't go out and say, hey, I'm going to build a stash. It happens organically. You know, the first time you go to the yarn store and you buy three projects worth of yarn and you knit one of them and then you go back to the yarn store, even though you still have the other two projects waiting. You know, it's it's not like we sat down and said, Ooh, I need nine years worth of yarn in my <laughs> dresser. I'm going to go buy it in one trip. You know, it happens organically over time. It's just knitting is a little bit slower than the purchasing for most of us. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. I actually don't like to feel rushed. We've had this conversation before where you'll find a really great sale yarn and I'll think, I love that yarn. I need maybe 48 hours to decide if I really want it or not. And you'll be like, but it's a really good sale. It's not going to be there in 48 hours, you know? Uh huh. I like being able to go to my stash and think about it for 48 hours or, you know, a whole week if I need to before. And if it's sitting there in my stash, then I'm not rushed. And I, I really appreciate that, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I like to dream over what I'm purchasing, but we're talking 30 to 45 minutes, not 48 hours. Yeah. yeah. But I do get a point in those uh, sales that, I'm talk- that you're talking about. I will get the cart to the point that I cannot narrow it down anymore but it is also more than I'm willing to spend on yarn at once and then I not buy anything. It's like I've narrowed Mm -hmm. it down to my favorite 20 sweaters. I can't buy 20 sweaters. I just can't. (laughs) I mean, five, yeah, sure, why not? But 20, that's crazy even for me. Mm -hmm. So I need to get rid of 15 of these. And I'll be like, no, I want all 20. In those cases, I'll get zero. And it's never never hurt me. I mean, 
it hurts a little bit in the moment, but long-term it hasn't. Right. I do. uh, One way I I have built my stash over the years is if I know a sale is coming, like I know webs will have a sale most years and this, you know, in the month of April and then again later, or if I get an email that says a sale is coming from a smaller indie dyer, Mm -hmm. or if I have enough time ahead of, ahead of that sale, then I'll have time to think through all of the, you know, do I want this? Do I want that? What would I do with it? Where would it go? How does it fit in what I already have? So then I might build my stash that way. Like I knew it was coming. I already picked out what I wanted. As long as it actually goes on sale, I'm golden. I've already got it all figured out. And I've built my stash that way, Uh like on yarns that are marked down. Now, you're not prepared for this question, so you might not be able to answer it, but when I was sorting through my stuff on Ravelry, I decided to take a look at my oldest yarn. Do you know what your oldest yarn is? Oldest yarn, not knit? Yes. No, I don't think so. Okay. I know the like the oldest like sweater, that kind of thing, maybe, but not oldest yarn, not yet. What's yours? My oldest yarn is my first real hand spun, not my practice hand spun, but my first hand spun that actually looks like yarn. I will probably never knit that. That is probably a finished project all in itself. And it's some pink mohair that I spun in 1999. Then my next oldest yarn is yarn store yarn that I bought to knit your oldest child a baby sweater. I did Hmm. knit him a baby sweater, but I still have some of that yarn left. What year was he born? 2003. 2003. So I have nothing in between 99 and 2003. And then in 2003, I have nothing still in my stash until the leftovers from the baby sweater from your second child, which would have been in 05. Yep. Yeah. All of the other yarn back from that time has gotten all used up. I don't make a point of using my oldest yarn or anything like that. It just naturally happens because any yarn in my stash is starting for me to use, except for the newest yarn. That usually has to marinate for a while. It's not ready to go right away. Yeah. No, I have no idea. I'd be shocked if I have anything before like 2000, I don't know, 11. I'd be shocked. I think I either pass it along or use it. Uh But I don't know. I kind of want to go look now. Yeah. Do we have anything else on intangibles about the stash? Just one thing, but I already touched that on that when we were recording the first part of this episode. And that's that I design almost 75% of my designs from stash. Mm-hmm. Like I, I already picked things that I like in colors that I like in yarn weights that I know I'm going to use. And I'll just let it sit there for as long as it takes to figure out what that yarn wants to become probably even more than that. I'd say maybe as much as 90% of my designs come from stash, come from yarn that's been there long enough that I've, you know, I've thought through, oh, this idea might work, but that's not quite right. So I have this other thing in stash that'll work. I really do use it and I, I like having it. Does yarn ever get too old for you? Does it get to the point that you lose interest in it? I don't lose interest in it, but if the yarn is discontinued, I try pretty hard not to design anything, any yarn that's discontinued, because I'd like to be able to include that information. Mm-hmm. That's just a, a rule that I've made up for myself. I, d- I don't think you have to do it that way. But if something has 
has discontinued, then I, I might keep it so I can make gifts for family or something along those lines. But I know I won't design with it at that point. That so. makes sense. What about you? So it used to be that I wasn't really willing to knit with it until it hits a two to three years mark in my stash. But by the time it got four to five years in my stash, I got stale and I lost interest. But now it doesn't matter. I know what I like. I only buy it if I like it. It's just older but still yarn that I am totally in love with. Yeah. And that is... And I will say... Yeah. Oh, and that's just from my knowing myself more as a knitter now than I used to and knowing yarn better now than I used to. It's just about experience. Yeah, I think so. And the good thing about yarn is, I mean, as long as nothing gets into it, like critters or pests, Mm -hmm. it's going to still be good yarn. So even if you do lose interest in it, if you keep it long enough, it may come back into something that you like, or it would still be a nice gift to pass along to somebody else who's in a different stage than you are. Yes, that is so true. And then also sun damage. Best Mm, to not leave your yarn in a sunny window for long, long periods of time. Yeah, even though it might be pretty. Yes. Yeah. If you do that, then it's decorative and it's maybe not for knitting and just for looking at after a while because the sun weakens the most fibers out there. It does. It weakens it. Yeah. The yarn, when when we did have a local yarn star and I worked there, um, the yarn that was even through her tented windows, if it was there for any amount of time, it could be weakened and you it would need to come off of the shelves because, of course, a yarn store never wants to let something go like that to mm-hmm. a knitter that's all excited about a project. Also, even through tinted windows or double pane windows or whatever, it will change the color. It will slowly fade the color. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Are we ready for mulligans or do we have more stash stuff? I do think so. I'm ready for mulligans. Do you have anything for that? I do. I do. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to? Yeah, go ahead and go. Okay. Last time my mulligan was not enough brain space. That's not a problem anymore at all. I think the time before that is when I was working through that Ruby Daggers Treasure Goddess DK weight yarn. It's an indie dyed yarn, hand dyed. And I was learning how to alternate skeins. Mm-hmm. I Finished that. I figured that out. I finished that tea. I love it. In that one, I had decided that I would alternate through all four of the different skeins, and I ended up doing 25 row repeats in order. So I kept very good notes, and I would do 25 rows of one skein, and then the you know skein number one, skein number two, number three, number four, and then go back to number one. Mm-hmm. And so even if you could see the color shifts, it was very intentional. They're actually not noticeable at all to me, or not very much, but. If you do notice them, it looks like I've made very intentional, subtle, wide stripes. And I loved it. I loved the process. I didn't have the brain space for anything more fiddly than that. That was a good solution. I've got more brain space now. And so I decided I would try again. I have another indie dyed yarn. This one is a Miss Babs. And again, I have four skeins of it, although I think that's going to be more than I need. It's a fingering weight yarn. So a lot more stitches go around, you know, each time around the body. Um, But I looked at the skeins side by side and I thought, these are so close, I can't tell the difference. I'm just not even going to worry about it, right? Mm -hmm. Can you see where this is going? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They're fingering weight skeins. They're big skeins. I went all the way through like 400 yards. And then I added the second skein. And I thought, 
okay, maybe I can see that now that I'm knitting it. But it was on my lap. And, you know, you know how you just keep going. You think to yourself, this will just block right out. Not going to be a problem. It's color, so it's not going to block out. But you're, you kind of, you kind of fake yourself out like that. So I kept going for a little bit. And finally, like, okay, I can definitely see that. Plus, you know, I've gone beyond the point where I took the sleeves off. It's, it's past time to try this on and make sure that the fit's working out the way I want. And I'll take a look at the color and I put it on and I stood in front of the mirror and I'm like, holy crap, that's like two completely different colors. How could I not see that sitting on my lap? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And And it was over a huge, big swath of it. So it didn't look like it was on purpose. Like, uh, huh. Right. Also, while I'm looking in the mirror, I'm like, I real, I know better than this. This is like sweater number 400. I don't know how many sweaters I've done, but this is sweater number lots. And I should have tried it on before this point because my gauge is looser than the sweater math. And first off, I can't release a pattern where the design, the sample knit is at a different gauge. And second off, this is way too stinking big, like way, way, way too big. So I'm making it in my size. I don't always do that, but I'm doing it for this one. I kept going for a little bit anyway. I'm still faking myself out. And then I'm like, okay, no, I just can't. So I ripped all the way back out, all the way back. Uh So that's mulligan number one. And then mulligan number two is I decided, okay, I got more brain space. I'm going to, to try this other thing where you... Um, switch them every two rows and then once it's in the round every two rounds between mm-hmm. two yarns between the two skeins and I'm doing that and it's all going great but then once you join it in the round I thought well now that I'm going in the round it would be really easy to just switch them every round right you just drop it back behind mm-hmm. and you don't do mm-hmm. any twisting and this sounds wonderful I'm going to do this and I started it and it got messy like you could see a definite difference I thought that stinks so I ripped it back again to the join in the round part and I went back to doing it every two rounds alternating skeins and it is it is working out I'm loving the way the fabric looks and the colors and the way that it gives it a lot of depth and beauty and I don't actually love the process so it may be a while before I do another indie dyed yarn into a sweater like this but I'm learning how to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you? Mine is the socks that I was talking about knitting out of that Mountain Colors yarn that you gave me. That is so mm-hmm. beautiful. And I decided that that yarn was more beautiful on the furl side than the knit side. Because of that, oh, and I started out the sock with one one rib and I was doing a knit six Pearl one all the way around. So I was doing that and I kept on looking at the inside and the pearl side. And I was like, that is prettier. I've heard about Princess Souls where the knit side is on the inside instead of the outside so that there's no pearl bumps on the bottom of your feet. It's supposed to be more comfortable. Uh-huh. I'm going to knit these air quotes inside out. So I'll just keep going. So I'm knitting on the outside and I will wear them, you know, when I'm done and I kitchen or the toe, I will flip them inside out to wear them. But I wanted the heel to be the normal heel flap. I didn't want that inside out. So I wanted the smooth side on the outside and the, the slip stitch side, you know, to be on the inside. And all you have to do with that, because I'm doing a heel flap where you knit it back and forth, is just flip around which two sides you're doing. So rather than knitting when the 
sock is away from my body, I need to purl when the sock is away from my body, flip it around, and when the sock is towards my body, that's when I do the knit stitch and the slip stitch across. That sounds super simple, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I have knit a gazillion socks in my lifetime. What my brain was su said was super simple, and what my muscle memory said we were supposed to be doing was in opposites of each other, and I had to fight yeah. the whole time to override my muscle memory and to not keep on reverting back to what my hands said a heel flap should be like to doing it the way my brain said I should be doing it. I bet. I yeah. can definitely see that. That was shockingly difficult. I noticed you said your brain space is back and mine is too. And I don't know why, mm. but I will take it. So that's the reason why I cast on that cardigan. That's going so well. I'm doing the socks. And while I was fighting muscle memory, it was just normal. It's, it's great. I am really enjoying having my spark of creativity and being able to think things through back. Yeah. Okay. So next up is inspiration and fantasies. I'll go ahead and start with this because I just talked about the cardigan I started. I need a cardigan for work. Mm -hmm. And the cardigan I'm knitting right now, I think the yarn choice is not going to be dressy enough for work. I am trying to make myself think about work cardigans. And you can see right there, maybe this is a sign I need to buy myself a work cardigan. But I did go through all of my favorite cardigan patterns. And I chose two that I thought were exciting and work appropriate. I'm trying to ramp myself up into casting them on. That's not as sad as it sounds because these are two beautiful cardigans. One is Winter Weeds Cardigan by Katya Gorbachia. Again, I've mangled that name, but it is a bottom-up raglan pattern in a pretty heavy yarn. I have stash yarn that will work for this. That it has a cabled pattern that makes weeds, plants. It reminds me of wheat or cattails or things like that. And that is gorgeous. And I totally want that in gray. And the yarn I have that's suitable for that is gray. Mm. That I've had on my wish list for years and years and years now. And I just bought the yarn that I think will work for it last summer. I should get that started. I haven't decided if I have that much brain space yet, though, because it's a non-repeating pattern. It doesn't look hard, but I will have to definitely follow the chart to make the picture of the plants growing to come out. There's no very little repetition in it. The second one is Project Sleeves by Judith Bren. And that one is a V-neck sort of Gramps cardigan. It comes in two lengths, hip length and duster length, like two, down to your knees. I would do the short one. So in the front, it's a Gramps cardigan, a V-neck. But then the sleeves are a little bit big and very keybled. I love the keybled sleeves. Now that one is five stitches to an inch. And I have two different yarns I want to use for it. One is... One is four stitches to the inch, and the other one is six stitches to the inch. I don't know if I want to do the math. If I just need to wait until the right yarn falls into my lap, I don't know. I think I would go with the thicker yarn and not the thinner yarn. It takes swatching to figure it out, and I just haven't gotten there yet. And crazy enough, I want that one in gray too. Hmm. Probably because that one, the project, both of those, the project photos are in gray. 
I normally try not to fall into the trap of knitting the yarn in the same color as the project photo. However, both of those are really shown off by gray and gray would work so well with my work wardrobe. It would go with all of the shirts. I'm just really attracted to both of those. Yeah, they're both pretty. I think yeah, you'll make your own choices because you've been knitting for so long. But I, when you were saying you had a, a six stitch per inch, I'm like, oh, I bet those cables would be really nice in the six stitch per inch. Uh-huh. But that's just my thought. The six stitches per inch is a very muted turquoise color, mm-hmm. like turquoise mixed with charcoal gray. And that would mm, be pretty yeah. with that sweater. Yeah, it would. Yep. Mm. So. All right. So what Those about... Are both good projects. I told... Uh, you would have noticed um, a lot earlier when we were talking, a whole bunch of my current projects are things that I just cast on. Uh-huh. And I've got more even that I haven't cast on yet. So I've got a red shawl in a bag sitting by my desk. It's not cast on yet, but I have the yarn and it's got the basic ideas. I know which cables I'm going to use with it. I even have the needles in there. That one's getting really close to casting on. So I've been thinking about that one, dreaming about that one a lot. And then I have another shawl that's really wants to be on the needles, but I don't have enough thought through yet. And another cowl and another, another cowl after that. And those are all sitting. I kind of stage my yarn. So if it comes down from the stash, it'll sit next to my desk, kind of in the pantry area off the kitchen. I have a shelf there and I'll put it in a project bag and I'll sit it on that shelf. And then as it gets closer to actually being cast on, it might be on the floor next to my desk or actually sitting on my desk. And all of those are like, they've made it downstairs from the stash and out of that shelf and they're on the floor next to me. So uh-huh. I see them every day when I when I sit down to work. Those are all ready. And then I have one more that I found when I was going through the stash fit that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. I'm pretty sure the intent was not to make me want to go buy a sweater's worth of yarn. But <laughs> while I was going through the exercises, I'm like, I need a bright screaming red like pepper red or fiesta red or bright screaming red tea and I and I know what I'm going to name it and I know what I want it what I want the feel of it to be like and I I need that yarn in my stash now so that I can start making those decisions Uh uh-huh yep I've been thinking about that one too nice okay so that takes us right into reviews we're going to review the stash fit workbook by infinite twist We've been really bad about saying where we're getting this stuff. Everything we have reviewed is either from our stash or we've gone out and bought it. Nobody's given us stuff to review. We haven't been transparent about where the stuff's coming from. I purchased this in 2018 with a coupon code. You just got yours free with a coupon code. Is that right? That is right. Just recently she had, she did a support local you know, here are these, here's this thing. If you use the coupon code, please support local. Uh huh. I did that. I did this last year, but I pulled out all of my notes for this podcast and then I reread it to do it again. Not literally do it again because I did it start to finish last year. So I didn't feel like I needed to actually do it again, but sort of go through the stuff again so I'd have something to talk about. You just saw it for the first time this spring, so I'll have you go first on this. 
Okay. First off, uh, we've talked about how I do better when I write things down or I see them physically in front of me. So I was tempted to print the whole stinking thing off. Um, luckily, you talked me down from that because I'm trying not to waste paper or toner again with the shipping and who do I put in danger to get it. Um, so instead, I was able to just print off the worksheets she's got. Um, it's really well set up and you kind of you read through a section of it and then she says, OK, stop reading here are some exercises for you to accomplish. And so, you know, I would print the worksheet for that exercise and make that happen and then, you know, move on. Mm -hmm. Now that you've done all this stuff, you know, keep reading for a while and wait here, it's time for another exercise. And so I was able to just print the uh, worksheets for exercises and that worked fine for me because it it did give me reading on my computer and then also physical exercises to fill out. I, I don't have a printer. But the exercises are important. I did my exercises on index cards and post-it notes. So I still mm-hmm. yeah. I still did it on paper and I had to write out the little things that she said or just like change colored markers and had fun with that. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a I mean it was a good process to go through. I hadn't really thought through all of the stuff that she was talking about. And I did learn some stuff about it, about my stash while I was going through it. So I thought it was good. What about you? Yeah, I would love to go through all the steps, but I think people should go purchase it. But I am going to talk about the first step, which was because for years I have gone through my stash. I have the stash stash, uh, Excel sheet. I have it on Ravelry. I'm in stash groups on Ravelry where we talk about stash. So the part where you go through and you like sort it, I did it, but I did not learn anything new there because of who I am and how much I've already played with my yarn over the years. But the very first part that you did was the your tops and your flops of the projects that you have knitted on, which I have not spent very much time on before this. And that was very eye opening. And I am going to say what my top projects are, not the project itself, but what was very helpful for me was finding out that if I want to finish a project, it needs to be a fairly simple project, but with one new technique or one complicated element to it. Because if it has too many complicated elements to it, I get tired of too much thinking and I'll set it aside for later and then later never comes. Or if it's too simple, I get bored and then I don't finish it for not being exciting enough. And knowing this new information about me has made the projects I've chosen since then more successful. Um, so I kind of came at it as a designer. So I wrote down all the designs that during that tops and flops, I went through all of the designs that I've released since January two, 2019. So not quite 18 months, but I was thinking about it in in that time frame, you know? Uh-huh. And I thought it was really interesting because I used that information to see, you know, I've released 22 patterns in that amount of time and nine of them were this, you know, were cows and three of them were shawls and four of them were sweaters and then there were four hats and two scarves. And then I went back and I pulled back, okay, so seven of those were lace and 11 of those were cables. And then a few, you know, just a few were something other than lace or cables. Uh And then I kind of did the percentages of, you know, 42% of them were worsted weight and 33% of them were DK weight and 12% of them were sport weight. And I'd never really 
thought through all of those numbers before. So I thought it was real good to do that. And I'm glad you did it as a designer because when I was doing it and you weren't back then, I was like, I bet this would be so helpful for a designer to look through what they enjoyed doing, what sold. You know, I just saw so much potential with it from a different point of view. Yeah. Something I also noticed about myself, because she just asked you to go back through like your last year, which I did two years rather than one. And it probably would have been better to go even more than that, but it just became too much data. So I understand why it's narrowed like that. But I will go through long spurts, uh, but I'll go through a year where almost everything is a single weight, like just sock yarn or mostly sock yarn but then I'll be done with that for a while and then everything is bulky for a while so I didn't feel like those numbers were too important to me as long as I keep a well-rounded stash with a little bit of everything in it but the which projects that I finished and which ones I didn't and which ones of that I finished that I like and which ones I didn't and what they were made out of that was very helpful yeah yeah and I did do, later on, there's another exercise where you're supposed to sort it. And she has specific categories that she wants you to sort it into. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that because I'm trying I'm trying to think harder about my process as a designer. But I did sort it into, you know, I rearranged where my yarn was. So maybe the stuff that used to be on the next shelf is now in the Ozenin bin, or maybe the stuff that was sitting on the next next shelf got moved over, or some brand new stuff got put on that shelf from a basket that I was sitting on. That was really good. I did the sorting that way instead of the way that she said, but I wouldn't have thought to do that without going through the stash fit with her. So I thought it was a really good exercise. And now that I've done that, all of my notes that I talked about before, where I've written down what's on this shelf, what's in this bin, they're completely wrong. I need to go back and redo it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm going to pull out one other portion of it that is not going to work for me and the reason why and it's not because it's bad or anything like that I just know myself is in there it doesn't work for me so one of the cool things she has you do is after you've gone through all of the data and whatnot she wants you to kit up your most exciting projects into kits which sounds wonderful and for a lot of people that is wonderful but my Tension span is not that long when it comes to what I want to knit. I found over the years that what I am knitting on right now and maybe what I am knitting on next is as far as I can go. If I go farther out than that and I kit it up, those will never get made because I will be dreaming over the yarn and matching that yarn up with different patterns multiple times. Because while I am knitting, the like the first third of the knit I am thinking about the pattern I've just started it's still all new and shiny and then the second third that I knit I'm thinking about my next pattern and then the last third I knit I'm thinking about my next pattern but it's a different next pattern and then it is done and then I cast on yet different new pattern so those two patterns that I was dreaming about was knitting those will probably never, ever get knit because I've already knit them in my mind and I am done with them. I just know that I can't plan that far ahead with what I will be knitting. Although the information from what I used to have knit and what I finished, I found incredibly helpful for me. Yeah. When we got to that point, you know, putting stuff in kits, I was like, well, 
I have already done that. I you feel do. a little bit smug. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You were just... I have them all sitting around. Yeah. Yeah. And it did let me think about them. So instead of uh, she has you think about what you're going to do next. And I'm like, I was like, okay, I have these planned designs. I'm going to think about them that way. And it got me looking at the numbers. And of I have seven that are either on the needles or getting ready to be on the needles shortly. And, and of those, five of them came from Stash. One I purchased just for the design. And one is that bright red yarn that I haven't purchased yet. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. That was good information to have, and I wouldn't have thought through it in the same way without having the stash bit to look through. I'm glad I did it. I took the kit idea. I did go through the patterns that I thought I wanted to knit up, and I would have kitted, but I didn't. And I made a bundle on Ravelry in my favorites, where it says, choose four is what I named it. Those are like my virtual kits. Hmm. I have way more than four in there. But as long as I choose four out of that bundle a year, and I'm always adding and deleting to it, I figure that I am successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice idea. And that's all I have about Stash Fist by Infant Twist. Do you have anything to add to it? No, I think we covered it. Okay, great. Next up is podcast announcements. Uh, you can find us on Instagram as Geminet Podcast and join our Ravelry group, Geminet Podcasts, at the table. What have you been doing? I don't really have a specific recipe to stock, to talk about here. We are getting ready to start getting our farm-to-table box. And so I've been looking for new favorite recipes for spinach. Uh, I think we're really going to have a lot of that because I'm growing it. And then she also always sends a lot with us. And then beans. We're trying really hard to cook more with beans as part of our protein right now. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting to make that switch for a long time. And it just seems like a good time to do that, especially when we're talking about Um, workers possibly not being safe in plants and stuff like that. I was going to just say, if anyone listening has suggestions for favorite recipes using spinach or beans, please send them my way. I would love to try them out. And then I did want to say, I was going to talk real quick about a cookbook instead of a recipe. Mm -hmm. Do you have the Better Homes and Gardens new cookbook, the, you know, the iconic red and white checkered cover cookbook? Do you have one of those? I have not a new one, but I have the iconic one. Yes. Right. I have one. Mine's from 1989. Uh-huh. Um, and it was given to me as I headed off to college. And it, you know, some of the pages are falling out and it's got stains on the pages. It's seen a lot of use over the years. And just recently, I've been pulling it out with my teenagers to use some of the recipes that have just basic ingredients of stuff we have in the house. Because we're not going into the grocery stores right now we're only doing online pickups and we're trying to stretch the time between any kind of errands like that as far as we can just to help keep the curb as flat as possible we've been making do with what we have in the house and it's really fun to show them that you can be resilient and you can use alternatives and you can still make something that is pretty great so just in the last week we've made uh, chocolate syrup when we ran out, waffles to freeze for breakfast, muffins to freeze for breakfast, egg salad for lunches, coleslaw, pizza dough, pizza sauce, a basic balsamic vinaigrette dressing, and others that I've forgotten. And each time the boys are slightly amazed that we don't need a trip to a store. We can just gather stuff we have in the house, substitute what we don't have, and basically it works out pretty well. Um, I think when they're old enough to move into their own places and like I cannot believe I even am thinking that far ahead because I'm not ready for that to happen at all yet. But when they do, I'm going to give them each a copy for their kitchens. So 
So is That's that it. what about you? Is that cookbook giving you ideas of uh, what to substitute, or is it allowing you to like? Yeah. So how are you using the cookbook that way? So both. There are little sections around where it says, you know, you can substitute this for this uh-huh. or substitute this for this. I don't think there's an actual, there might actually be on the back cover. I haven't looked at it for a long time. There might actually be like a substitute chart. Like these are some most used substitutions, you know, uh-huh. but also there's such good, basic simple recipes that you can think, okay, there's only eight ingredients. I have five of those ingredients. What can I replace six and seven with that will still work? Because this is not a hard recipe and I I can make it do, you know? Okay. I wondered, I would love to talk about cookbooks. So I'm going to stay with what I did. I'm in um, two CSAs and I'm going to talk about the one on Wednesday. The one on Wednesday is a smaller box, but it is very, very interesting. This week, what I got was lion's mane mushrooms. You'll gotta look at the link of it in the show notes. They are wild. And I got okay. green garlic, spinach, and bok choy. I took Yum. all of those ingredients, it was the four ingredients, and I turned them into a soup. I didn't follow a recipe. But I did have to look up uh, how to cook lion's mane mushroom because I'd never seen it or heard of it. But it talked about how it's good for brain health, how it has calming properties, all of this stuff. I don't know if it's true or not, but it was super cool. Uh, I used that and I just made it into a brothy soup, like chicken noodle soup, except for Asian flair. No chicken in it at all, but it did have beef broth. It had the mushrooms, it had green garlic, ginger, bok choy, spinach, noodles, sprouts, and hot pepper flakes. And eating that was mm. delicious, but it felt aggressively healthy. Like Correct. if you were sick and you had the soup, there was no way you were not going to get better. Huh. It was fabulous, but that box is a little bit on the smaller side. It makes usually two good meals for like two people. So I can get It's just me, so I can usually get four, maybe five meals out of it, which is not enough. So then I have a a Saturday box, too, which gives me more vegetables. But I was hoping in doing this, I'd be able to get stuff in the freezer also. And I can't. In between the two, I'm eating all of the vegetables within the week with zero leftovers. So on my Saturday pickup, I talked to Farmer Dave, and I asked him if he could take me from the single person size, the partial size, to a regular size, which they say is for a Mm -hmm. family of four. I'm not sure what they think a family of four eats. But anyway, I'm upsizing my Saturday from the single person to um, the next size up. That's exciting. I know. I really want to make things like spinach and egg quiche to put in the freezer because it's so good. It freezes so well. And right now I just have enough wheat fresh. So hopefully next time I can talk about things like that. Yeah, that's great. I do actually, um, the spinach that I think we'll get from the from our farm to table box, which is the same as your CSA, just a different name. Mm-hmm. That I think we'll eat right away because it's big leaves. Like I jumped the gun and went this week and just paid for one week. And the leaves were bigger than a dollar bill, like huge, big, green, felt very high in iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows if it is, but I think I think it must be, right? But I'm also growing spinach, and I yeah I was real thrilled. I'm like it is growing into actual spinach, and and then I look at it next to her spinach. I'm like okay, so this is more baby spinach. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I really like to just, sometimes I'll buy a bag of baby spinach at the store and then I'll, you know, I'll get busy and we won't use it. And I'll just think, okay, it's been a few days. I'm just going to toss that whole bag in the freezer. And then it's like I have fresh baby spinach each time I pull it out and chop it and throw it in something. Mm -hmm. As long as you do it quickly, as long as you do it quickly, it's still like using fresh spinach. Now, if you let it sit on your chopping board for any time at all, it kind of turns into a mush pile. But you're going to cook it anyway, so I don't think it would matter. I may end up freezing some spinach that way. I would assume it doesn't matter because I buy frozen spinach frozen. I've never taken the fresh spinach in a bag and freeze it like you have, which sounds brilliant. But I do buy like those blocks of frozen spinach to make spinach soup and whatnot. And I'm hoping to be able to make fresh spinach soup uh, to try it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's exciting. I love spinach soup. Okay. Do we have anything else for this episode? I don't think so. I think we got to the end. Wonderful. Thank you for listening and join us next time. Bye now. Bye-bye.